Intro. What now? I'm just gonna let him go. Big house. Let it happen. Big, big, big house. Lots of rooms. This is your big house church podcast company. Nope. That could. Okay, that's in the top three right now because that's our third practice. Introduction. Definitely a top mm. three intro. It is in a top yeah. three. So we'll see if it if it stays alive for it, the next one. It's gonna get sampled. <laughs> hey, it's <laughs> Pastor Ty Van Horn here with Ryan Kennedy and David Gentiles in Big House Church's next podcast. And today boy, you guys have really changed since last time mm. I saw you. David, mm. did you grow a beard? Mm. Episode three. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yes. You guys look like a couple Neanderthals. I don't know what's happening I, in our social I, in, isolation. In the last 30 minutes, I am growing. <laughs> you guys are, you're growing is, a beard. That's true. Well, you look fantastic. And so <laughs> last time we were talking about the new normal that we're finding ourselves in. And, and you guys had some really insightful things uh, to talk to us about what is this new normal. And it really landed on the Sabbath and this opportunity to listen to God to create the new normal on the other side of this. Well, I want to take us to a passage this time. I want to take us and walk through a passage from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Like this, this is a passage where Peter is he's, he's writing to Christians who are being persecuted, they're suffering, they're in trouble, uh, they're looking around and they're finding themselves wondering about their existence as a people, and the, the church is just getting off the ground. And so I imagine that the church around the world is having some of this similar experience. And so, so I'd love to just pray for a moment and then dive into 1 Peter chapter 5. Lord, would you bless us? Would you allow us to speak in such a way that we're helpful and that we're uh, available to your spirit speaking to others? And so, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would reach through these airwaves and meet people right where they are. So reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. A couple of thoughts I want to pull from you guys is just the idea of humility, of humbleness, of really kind of where we find ourselves as a people um, I've said often, you can either be humble or you can be humbled. And I feel like uh, in a very generally big way, like we've been humbled as a people realizing we're not in control. We, we don't have this one. And so, well, what's interesting, I mean, I think, you know, different parts of the country have been, had opportunities to, to be humbled. You know, I mean, like even the Houston area, you know, Hurricane Harvey. And so a lot of times... Um, you know, a part of the country is going through just a difficult time of suffering and, um, and trial. And, and many times the rest of the country um, is observing another part of the country when it's suffering. But this is a very unique time because the entire country is suffering at, at the very same time about the very same thing. And so for all of us, you know, to be able to connect in that humility together is has to be just one of the u- most unique seasons and eras, you know, of our lifetimes. And so for all of us to be connected in that way, that we're actually being um, humbled 
in very similar ways. All of us is, it's extremely fascinating for me right now. And so I think, you know, humbling ourselves before the Lord, being humbled under circumstances and how we respond to that has everything to do with what our faith actually is. And what, what, and when we say we believe in this or believe in that, hope in this, hope in that, being humbled is actually the season where that gets proven. And, um, and we're, I think we're seeing that playing out a lot right now. But yeah, humbling yourself is the the call. Like um, inside of this, realizing we're not under control, we're all under the mighty hand of God. That that He's over us. We remember that He cares for us. In that same verse, it's like casting all your anxiety. Like we as a people are filled with and overflowing with anxiety. And it, and it makes sense. Like no one should feel guilty or shamed because there's anxiety in their hearts and, and uh, residing in their households. Hmm. But we're called here. We've got an activity here. We can actually humble ourselves and say, God, we want to release this anxiety to you. Like you're, you are the hand over us. And it says here, he cares for you. He cares for you. You can bring that anxiety to God and go, all right, God, this is what's residing in me. I want to give it to you because I admit I'm not in control. You are. And I want to release this to you because I know that you care for us. Hmm. Let's go to verse eight. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. There's nothing like being kicked when you're down. There's nothing like, like this is already tough. And then, and then you realize, and then there's the enemy who loves to take advantage of significant times like this. You know, you think through that picture, the lion is always looking for the weakest one, the one falling behind the others. And so in difficulty and in suffering, I, I really believe the enemy is looking for anyone with a limp, with a slow stumbling walk of faith or a wounded spiritual aloneness. Um, and, hmm. and I think it's a call to the pack, the church, to brothers and sisters, that we need to look out for one another and make sure no one is dragging behind. And, and, and how can we do that? How can we actively um, do this, be sober-minded? I think, you know, for practically, you know, there's something that, um, that Emily and I have certainly experienced in our marriage is... Um, we leave ourselves open to the enemy when we remain angry with one another um, or when something isn't resolved. You know, Scripture says, don't let anger, uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger so that the, the enemy might get a foothold. And I think it's a similar thing. Yeah. When we, uh, when the, the verbiage here is humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. So as we position ourselves in a place of humility and submission to the Lord, we are under him, which means we're not being like suppressed by him. We're actually being protected. So our, our intentional act of humbling ourselves places us in a posture of being protected by Almighty God. But when I allow the circumstances to provoke in me anger, bitterness, frustration, and then I, I allow that to continue, I'm actually positioning myself outside the hand of God, which means I don't have its protection, and I'm exposed to verse 8, and nine, the enemy. And so practical things is, you know, like right now, all of us are at home together a lot. <laughs> so we can practice humility under the power of God, under the mighty hand of God by practicing patience and, you know, um, just trying to figure out how we can be patient with one another and 
when we're angry and because we're going to do that. We're going to rub each other. We're going to all this kind of stuff. But humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, being patient with one another, forgiving one another in as much as the Lord has forgiven you, as scripture would say. And in so doing, if we're active in that and sensitive to that, then we're actually under God's protection and the enemy can't touch us. Mm-hmm. But when we're not, the enemy prowls and the prowl is the enemy is prowling around looking for an opportunity for me to be angry mm-hmm. so that he can pounce on that and make it worse, you know, and right. inflame it. Right. And so yeah um to also answer your question like what we can do um you know when you were talking about it it just made me think there are there are lots of really cool things that we're seeing the church do right now in this time even just caring for brothers and sisters um in physical ways like um like we were even talking about this earlier like these care packages that people are leaving at the doorsteps of their elderly neighbors and things like that and just Mm -hmm. saying hey we're you know, we're not assuming that you're not prepared, but just in case, here's some snacks. Here's a roll of toilet paper because that's important. Roll of toilet paper. This is Um, like gold right now. But you know, I think, and I haven't (laughs) thought about it until right now in this moment, but um, in the same way that we check on each other's physical needs and, um, you know, we're being called to be the church, the hands and feet to, and care packages and stuff, um, checking on them, from a, from a spiritual faith aspect saying, Hey, what's this doing right now for you? And can I pray for you? Like, can we walk through this? Because I think there are a lot of people struggling with faith right now that we may not assume are, we may be like, Oh, they're a warrior of the faith, hmm. you know, but, but in their, but behind the closed door and in their secret place there, this is actually shaking them. Um, it's shaking a lot of people that I would never have assumed it would shake. And so I think, um, one of the ways that we can even, be for each other to protect from the enemy coming in and shaking um, maybe an open door like um, David was saying, or even even if there's not even an open door, this is going to shake anybody's faith. You know, I mean, there's a lot happening that we are not necessarily, we don't mentally prepare for these things. And so, um, you know, I think checking on each other in that aspect is going to be something that the church can do in this time. Um, to like it says, take, take a decisive stand against him and resist him in every attack with strong um, faith. And I think we can help each other with that too. Yeah, that verse nine really starts coming alive with resisting him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood and sisterhood throughout the world. So David, Irwin, right now, said like. This yeah. is something, it's game on for everybody. Some places lesser than others, but really we're all mindful, we're all alert that this is a similar suffering for everybody. And so throughout the world, uh, what a timely word. Yeah. And what an opportunity to make this, this planet smaller. To go, hey, how are we reaching across the lines to people who are different from us or to people who are across the street and saying, Hey, we're in the neighborhood. If you, what was that? Like I lost. Hey. What? I'm okay. You guys don't touch me. Uh, don't reach across the six foot separation. What's your, what's your Just, coffee there? Is it? Yeah, it is a nitro version of Starbucks. <laughs> Got me. But reaching across the street and really caring for one another. I, I'm watching um, one of our smallest churches. We they developed a conversation on Group Me, and that has been just the most fascinating thing to watch. Uh, these brothers and sisters take care of one another in praying for one another and being honest and open with each other 
and carrying each other's anxieties and uh, and then meeting the needs of that spiritual thing that you're talking about, Ryan, checking on how we're yeah. doing in our faith. I think one thing too, you know, James says, consider it all joy uh, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect results so that you may per be perfect and complete, um, lacking in nothing. And what's interesting is the language for, you know, that descriptive various trials and encounter. Um, you know, a lot of times we think that uh, trials or sufferings are like cast upon us, you know, and so we want to figure out who that is and who it is so that we can, you know, that kind of stuff. But this language here is not things that are cast upon us. The language here is when you encounter various trials, you encounter them, you're on a road, on a journey, and as you come upon that journey, something happens as you're on that journey. Not, I'm going to say this, but like, you come upon a pothole when you're driving, right? You, you, the tire yeah. blows and you have to fix, stop the car and fix the car. So it's that imagery of you're on life and you're gonna encounter various trials and language there is various sizes, shapes, colors, um, all kinds of different things. And all of these things are given and allowed the testing of your faith can produce endurance, um, and that's so that we may be perfect and complete. And so um, I think what's super interesting is that right now, although we are in, uh, encountering these trials in different shapes and sizes, depending on where you are, depending on where your family is, but we are also experiencing the same various trial, mm. if that makes sense. Um, and our response to that and encouraging one another, I think as the church, we have one of the widest open doors to share the gospel, to share the gospel of Jesus, because I, I can literally knock on a door and say, I know what you're going through because I live in America. Well, you Does that make sense? You, you can't literally knock on the door. You'll have to figure it out. Well, I mean, you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Whatever it is. Just Facebook live stream. I, I, can, I, can, yeah. I can get a door knocker <laughs> and then and, and step, and step back. Street. But you're talking about like, praying for people and asking them how they're doing. It, this is the only time in our lifetime where literally all of us can go to one another and say, can I pray for you? Because I know that you've been impacted by right. this just like I have, and, or like we've both been impacted by the same thing. That's a really interesting thing. You know, so yeah. more than any other time in our, in our life, it, it, we're able to relate to the trial that we're all in in some way. And that, what an incredible opportunity for the spread of the gospel, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's an open door, it, you know, metaphorically again. It is an open door of that common suffering. And, uh, and we're told in Scripture, like, we need to take advantage of the time that's at hand. We need to make the most of this opportunity. Yeah, um, one, of my, one of my friends, Alan Green, I, I love him. He's, uh, he hears from the Lord more than really anyone I've ever met. But uh, he had posted this on Facebook, and I think it... There's something I want to get to here, jumping off this diving board. But he said, um, and uh, he said, I had a reoccurring dream of a great storm coming. Um, great concern grabbed me when I saw it coming, but when it arrived, I was at perfect peace. The storm brought the purpose of God. So prepare, church. A great storm is coming and is upon us, but be at peace. The latter rain is in that cloud. Mm. And I think in First Peter, if you if we keep reading, it says. And then after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, 
who has called you to share in his eternal glory will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and hold you up, and he has all the power needed to do this forever. Amen. And so um, one of the things that I, and, and I'm going to throw this question out to you, but um, one of the things is that uh, right now we have the ability to stand in such hope and to stand in such faith, um, just rooted in the word. Um, but what do we do when we come upon a, a moment e either in ourselves or with a friend who is struggling with that faith, who um, will read this scripture and say, yes, Ryan, I know that scripture, but my heart just isn't quite there. How do we, um, for ourselves and for others, stir up faith to truly believe that what we read is, is true? I know you're going through stuff, and I don't want to minimalize that, but I also want you to understand the word of God is true, and it is faithful, and there is a latter rain coming, and we are in the storm, but there is a latter rain, and I can say that with full confidence because the scripture tells me, and not only is it, is it good, but it, it, it makes me stronger and it makes me better, but Ty or David, how do we, how do we encourage both our own spirit and, and, and our friends to build up faith to truly believe that what we read is true in this season, because I think that that's really going to be what helps us as a body make it through this season. Yeah, it's a great question. And along partnering with that, as we search up an answer or some ideas about that, like when it says stand firm in your faith, I'm finding that a lot of us, and I'm assuming it's more than the ones that I've talked to, are finding out what our faith is made of right now. Like when we stand, when it causes, Peter says, stand firm in your faith, you go, but I'm standing on shaky yeah. faithfulness. Yeah. I'm standing on shallow faithfulness. Like my faith is only an inch deep. I actually was participating in a lot of things, but my faith wasn't very rooted. And, um, and so I think a time like this, like our faith is being exposed. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and I think even like what David was saying in the last podcast, the, even about when he fasts, uh, the, the, the things he's addicted to are exposed in that fast. Um, and in the same way, I think our faith or lack thereof yeah. is being exposed in this season. And I think we need to take the time to lean into that. And I think that's why, you know, I, I'm, I'm asking this question because I think there uh, are many who maybe it's coming to as a surprise to them that there is a, uh, there's a lack of faith. I think one thing that's important is to encourage them like that just because you feel exposed, it doesn't mean that you're being shamed. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like, well, because I have quote unquote, or I, I tell myself, I feel like I have a weak faith. And a lot of times my assessment of my own faith is dependent on my, like what I've done, like what I've produced for God. And that's not, that's not kingdom faith. That's not Jesus faith. You know, my production my ability mm -hmm. to produce for him um, is not what he's measuring. You know, my faithfulness to him mm -hmm. is what he's looking at. And so I think for me, it was it is such an encouragement when the Lord has encouraged me. Um, I mean, Emily and I, we've been through so many, like, just trials and sufferings um, in, in many areas of life in our marriage. And I just felt like I was the most awful Christian on the planet because— these things are happening and I'm struggling with trusting the Lord. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with all of those things. 
And it was at this point, even just recently, a couple months ago, where the Lord was like, I'm not looking at like your production of your faith and measuring you like you're here. Like mm. you're here. We're here. You made it through like that's your faith because you've been fa You took the next step. Like I I'm not sitting here judging your faith based on what you're producing. You know, amen, brother, you know, bless the Lord, you know, at every second, that type of thing. I don't think that's, I think encouraging people that if they feel discouraged, if they feel unfaithful, that's not what God's looking at. God's looking at the, you know, our heart. God's looking at the relationship that we have with Him. And I think, you know, our pastor at our church right now is just saying over and over, just pressing um, into the people of the Word and the, and the Spirit and getting to know the Lord yeah. as much as possible in His Word and in His Spirit mm -hmm. through prayer. And so, not that it's a measuring stick, but one, you don't have to feel ashamed that you feel discouraged or that you feel exposed. Actually being exposed is a good thing. If you feel exposed and there's, and there's a humility in your heart, that's actually the Spirit of God. So you can be encouraged that God is so passionate about you that He would show you an area of your heart in love that, uh, that we need to, to work on so that we can grow, give the opportunity to grow in it. And so... I think just that encouragement of, you know, if you feel like, you know, your faith is awful, which, you know, I do a lot. I, I just don't think that's what the Lord, I don't think it's his goal, you know, to shame me because I'm not doing all the things that I need to be doing. I just think he's glad to be my dad. Yeah. And there's, a, and there's an opportunity in that when you're, when your faith is exposed, you go, golly, my faith was in all kinds of other things other than Jesus. And, and that all gets kind of, all the scaffolding is taken away and you go, yeah, here is where I'm at. How do I get somewhere greater? How do I, how do I increase my faith in Jesus? And so, so I think experiencing your faith, like you've got to experience it as it gets exposed, you go, ah, there's some weaknesses here. Lord, come in here and grow this up in me. Because I think the ultimate goal is to elevate your faith in Jesus, to take it out of whatever other context and go, God, I believe in Jesus and I believe that the latter rains will be better. And I believe that your peace is present. I believe that you haven't forsaken us. You haven't walked away from us, you know, and that that faith increases with exercise, exercising your faith in this moment where you Lord. take thoughts captive and go, I'm giving this one to you, Lord. I know you have it. Yeah. There's also something that Emily and I have worked through a lot. Yeah, she brought this up to me again. Grief is different than lack of faith. And so a lot of times the pain that we feel is not lack of faith. It's actually grief. Like we're grieving the loss sure. of mm. our normal. Yeah. So I think understanding that that's a natural part of our faith actually is the grief of loss. And we have all experienced a lot of loss lately. And so the enemy would desire for you to believe and to um, misinterpret a very yeah. real the, and yeah. natural and human godly thing to grieve loss and then turn it around and tell you, oh, you're hurting because you don't love God. Mm. That's not, that's just not true. That's just not true. And yeah. as a matter of fact, you know, the Lord says, I draw near to the brokenhearted. Right. And so the enemy wants to draw near to you and tell you that because you're grieving, you're a terrible Christian. <laughs> mm. But actually the Lord wants to draw near in your grief and, and comfort you. And, um, I, that's such a powerful thing. And I, 
I was thinking as well just about in John 20, you know, and verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside. Thomas was with him. They were kind of freaking out. <laughs> Jesus uh, came and stood among them. Crazy. He says, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And then Peter references this very thing, this exact same idea, the same passage in his first chapter. Um, when he says uh, in first chapter, uh, verses, uh, verse 8, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, mm -hmm. but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And so even though we can't see him in this, right. we believe in him. Right. Even though we can't see him working necessarily, we love him. Um, and Jesus, when speaking with Thomas, actually commended us in this time who would not see and believe, not see and love. Peter reinforces that. And again, this word rejoice that we saw on podcast right. one from Philippians chapter four. In all things, you greatly rejoice, even though you've not seen him, mm -hmm. you believe in him, you love him, and you intentionally worship. The choice to rejoice, the choice to worship, I think has more to do with the outcome of our faith, you know, than, than many things that we underestimate. It is, man, it's so, and I'm a worship leader. Yeah. <laughs> oh my word, I'm a worship leader. And I'm finding it's more difficult to make the choice to rejoice now than ever, you know? Right. And it's my job. It's my calling. Well, you know, it's interesting. We got to wrap up here pretty soon. But, you know, if we look at James, um, he starts James, um, <clears throat> James 1 with considerate great joy when you experience various trials. He's not, he doesn't say it's a great joy. Consider. He says considerate great joy. And Frame like what you too. just said, to choose to rejoice in it. And I think this James, James 1 is, is kind of the bar that we should uh, aspire to be, to where when great trials come upon us, we believe that the rest of that scripture is true, knowing that the testing of the faith produces endurance and that endurance will have its full effect so that we may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. It starts with us, though, considering it a mm. joy. And so getting us there, mm. rejoicing... Um, well, I can rejoice because I know the scripture is true, you know, and, and everything you just said, I think is, is so on the ball. Um, but to, to have, to have James one as kind of our, uh, let's aspire to be that let's aspire to consider it joy. Mm. Um, and I think when I hear that word consider, it makes me think to frame it. Sure. Like we have, we have the ability to, to reframe a situation in the light of scripture. Because why would you have to consider it joy if, Otherwise. It, if it wasn't? You know, so it's like take this situation that obviously is not joyful. It may even look like grief, like what you were talking about. And yeah. somehow in our counterculture faith, we have to consider that joy and allow it to produce endurance and that endurance um, take its full effect so we're mature and lacking in nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'll just finish with these two verses. 
Verse 10 and 11, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's what our faith is in. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen.